And they had come to the place where God had shown them. Abraham built an altar there and laid wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this, and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you, and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies, and by your offspring shall all nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We extend a warm Aldersgate welcome to our speaker today, Gary Locklear. Gary serves as our North Carolina Conference Lay Leader, where he chairs the Board of Laity and the Conference Connectional Table and is a member of the conference leadership team. After a career in human resources, Gary was called into mission ministry as a church and community worker and home missioner with the General Board of Global Ministries of the United Methodist Church. Gary's work has included leadership development and mission outreach through hosting work teams from across the U.S. and working with and for the poor of Robinson and adjoining counties doing home repairs, food ministries, teaching, and leading small groups in a variety of studies. Gary's most recent work has been coordinating Hurricane Matthew recovery efforts with the North Carolina Disaster Recovery Office and UMCOR, the United Methodist Committee on Relief. Gary's a lifelong member of Sandy Plains United Methodist Church, where he's taught Sunday school for over 46 years. Gary's a native of Robinson County and lives in Pembroke. He and his wife have three adult children and four grandchildren. Gary, thank you for coming to be with us today, and we look forward to your message. First order of business. I want to thank you for the invitation. It's not that I love to stand here. It's that I love to see what the laity of our North Carolina conference are doing. One of the things that the Board of Laity put in place this year that we had never done before 
was a report on annual conference to be done by the delegates to annual conference, and you just did that so ably. This is the first time I've seen that done, and it was done the way we planned it. We spent months of designing the instruments so that the, the delegates could go back to the churches and actually say what happened at annual conference. And thank you for that brilliant job of doing that today. I will take that back to the Board of Laity when we meet in the fall. Thank you so much. I'd like to introduce my family to you. I've got a daughter here, Nakisha, Chad, and Christopher, and Nicholas. Would you all stand up and let them see you? Uh, they're from the area. They, um, <clears throat> I, I wanted my daughter in particular to stand, and you could know that she's one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> She's a tall girl. <laughs> uh, my daughter works for North Carolina State Credit Union, and uh, my son-in-law also works for them. My daughter works in the area where she's the one that tells them when it's time to paint the walls, to put new carpet down, to buy new computers and printers and copiers and, and looks at new facilities. My son-in-law, I think, is a vice president of information technology there, and um, they've been with them a long time. She has anyway. And uh, our two grandsons, Christopher and Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas lost his tooth yesterday. Did the, did the tooth fairy come last night? He got it. Yeah, it happened to him. Well, again, and I thank John Hall for the invitation to be here. I'm not a preacher, and that's, uh, I'm not intimidated at the 300 of you sitting here. I'm intimidated at my daughter. She's going to go back and tell her mother how bad I did today. So I'm grateful that, uh, that you're a church that invites people into it. And uh, John Hall is one of my favorite people. I see a few more favorite faces in here, too. And I'm grateful for you that are here that I know and all of you as well. So uh, thank you. Thank you for the invitation to bring your lay leader into your church. And John talked about the United Methodist Men and the men's ministry in our conference. We have a, a new president of men Wally Mills, and Wally is, is going to be a great person. We've had so many good persons in the past. But uh, you'll be hearing more from him, men of, uh, of this church. Well, this is uh, an interesting scripture to choose to come here today. I think uh, Abraham was a, a lay person. I don't think God had appointed a priest at this time. I certainly hadn't. So Abraham is a lay person out there trying to follow God's wishes. Abraham lived in a very different time than our own. Abraham uh, was in his 90s, almost 90 years old at this time, and here he is, the man to carry on God's promise to put children in this world so they become a great nation. And he's still looking at his watch and asking God, what time? When is this going to happen? Look at my hair. Look at my body is beginning to bend. I'm getting old, and I have no children to pass this promise on to. And God is very patient with Abraham. He listens and he waits. And God is saying, it's in my time. I know when to do things. I know when to move and to act in humankind. And I will do that. But Abraham was into the culture that said, you know, if a man doesn't have a son, he doesn't have much. If a man has land, if a man has sons, if a man has cattle, all that's important. But here Abraham is in this age with no children. Oh, he had tried earlier, brought a boy into the world named Ishmael through another woman, and 
And God, of course, was not pleased with that. And God had to intervene to do something about that. Sarah got impatient and said, you've got to have a boy if you're going to have a line of children and descendants. Sometimes we, do we not, get involved in God's business? Do we not sometimes take matters into our own hand and do our thing instead of waiting on God to do his thing? And then when God acts, we have to clean up the mess that we've made. And most times that is very not very pleasant. So it was with Abraham. And there he was with no children. And finally, finally, do you remember when Abraham was out wandering with Sarah, traveling great distances, and he entered this land, and he come under attack, and he sold his wife off, Sarah, as his sister. It's my sister. It's not my wife. You can have her if you want. Isn't that awful? But he did. Now, none of you would do that. That is just beneath any of us. But here he is, the father of a nation, and he's going to pass his wife off as his sister. Isn't that amazing? So finally he gets a son. Finally. And don't you know this old man loved his son? I, my father was 52 years old when I was born. I had a grandfather. I didn't have a father. I had a grandfather. And when I look back on it, that was best of all, to have this old man with full of wisdom. I sometimes tell my brothers that, yeah, you got his youth, but I got his wisdom. It's just one of the things that I claim that this old man who had a sinus headache when I come along, his hair was gray and falling out, but he provided for me the kind of things that I needed as a young person. Oftentimes they said to me, oh, is that your grandfather? Well, no, that's my dad. And that's been said of me and my youngest child too. I've got another one down here in Durham who is young. Children, parents, wishes and dreams of future. That's one of the themes that we use in the United Methodist Church, a future with hope. Abraham had no hope. Oh, minutes at times, he might have a little hope, you know, when, when God was really speaking and urging him and pushing him. There might have been a little hope there, but he would lose it soon. No son. And finally, there was a son. And can't you imagine this old man, how much he loved that son and how he spent his days telling his son stories, getting his son ready to produce a great nation only to have God speak to him one day and say, I want you to offer your son to me. Sacrifice your son to me. Abraham understood those words, sacrifice. It meant the shedding of blood and the taking of life. That's too much. You can't handle that, and I can't either. But here is Abraham, the man who pawned his wife off is told, give up your son. Let him go. I want him back. And he is obedient. He cuts the wood. He loads the animal. And he heads out 
Can you imagine his thoughts as he goes to this place that God will show him? And finally, he arrives. His head is full of concern, doubt, skepticism. Did I do the right thing? Should I just turn around and go back home? You ever been there? Do I need to just go back home? My son-in-law and daughter come in the door after we had started, and I thought, did they get skeptical and go back? <laughs> They're here. They are here today. So he arrives at this place, and he builds an altar, and he puts the wood on it, ties his son's hands, and lays him on that altar, and takes out a knife. His son understands the concept of sacrifice, that what's laid on the altar has to be killed and the blood shed. Isaac's about 13 years old. He understands that. What's going to happen, Daddy? Hmm, God has asked for your blood. No, no, Daddy. Last week, I tried to pull my grandson's tooth out. I got what I thought was a good grip on it and ripped it, and it didn't come out. We ran across the room, and um, he stood on his head, I think, for a minute. But he wasn't let me going to try again at all. <laughs> Do you think maybe Isaac felt that way? I'm going to get as far from you as I can, as soon as I can. puts him on the altar, ties him there. And now the wheels are turning in Isaac's head, maybe even more in Abraham's head. I've got to do this. It took him 90 years to get to this point that I can be completely obedient and surrendered to God. Are you there yet? I'm still working on that. How about you? Still working on this thing called obedience and surrender. Maybe it'll come before my last breath. But we have Jesus to help us with that too, who understands our every need. I'm grateful for committed lay people like you. All of you are. Maybe a couple of you are not, but we're lay people. Uh, we're the people like Mo, uh, Abraham was at this time. We've gone out in faith, hoping to find God and please God along the way. We're the lay people of the church. We're the people that make it happen. Clergy have their role, but we're the lay people, making disciples of Jesus Christ to transform this world, starting in the place you're in right now to transform things. So many lessons in my life by lay people. A woman that said to me at nine years old, through a card, you need to be at church next Sunday. Through a man who gave me the Sunday school material and said, you need to teach this class next week. That's been over 50 years ago. 
I have a friend, Wade Hunt. Wade retired from the school system as a principal, came to Christ late in life. In 1995, he participated in a mission experience to Bolivia, South America. Wade came home never to be the same again. The next year, he took that team and went back to Bolivia with more people. And the next year, and for the next 15 years, he went back, taking a different group of people, mainly Native American people, mainly from the southeast, but in other jurisdictions as well. Today, Wade is responsible for building over 45 houses in one village in Bolivia. He's responsible for renovating four churches in Bolivia. He's responsible for two clinics that has been built in these years. He's responsible for feeding 100 little girls in an orphanage every year. One man did all of that. I was privileged to join him the second year of that work. And I promised God I would not go back to that place again. But I went back 10 more times and it opened my eyes to something new in the church, opened my eyes to mission and the possibilities. Three years after I did that, I retired and was invited to come to work for the General Board of Global Ministries in mission. Previous to then, missionaries were people about this tall. They looked like they hadn't eaten in a month. They hadn't had a razor in their hands in a long time. I had completely stereotyped missionaries and all of a sudden, I'm one of them. Five years ago, Wade left that ministry and turned it over to Bill and Trinette. And today, they're in Montero, Santa Cruz, Bolivia, still building houses, schools, churches. They're still doing that work because of one layperson. Let me brag on one of your own. In 2012, the General Conference of the United Methodist Church completely changed the lay speaking program, completely changed it and angered about a thousand people. No longer will we do it this way. No longer will there be lay speakers. It's gonna be a higher level with much, much more training and we're not going to honor those credentials that were grandfathered in. Can you imagine the anger of all those lay speakers and uh, people that had put so much work in preparing themselves to lead in the church? I was one of those people, and I thought, and I was just newly elected lay leader. How in the world can I take that back to North Carolina? People are going to have my hide, and some of them almost did. John Hall stepped in. We were struggling to get people in our classes, and John went to work with our lay servant ministries, and he began to do some things that made a world of difference. People began to take the classes again, not two, but six, is it, John? Six classes, a lot more time, and holding them to the line that you will spend eight hours in this class, John held to it. People began to come back. They began to take the training. They began to find places in their local church to serve. Last fall, John invited me to the cohort 
And there I met eight people, I think it was eight that were going to be certified lay ministers, a new category. I believe in that. I believe that if we don't get lay people leading churches, speaking from pulpits, there may come a time when we may not have enough clergy. More and more small churches that cannot afford a full-time minister. And the only way they will survive is to have one of them, a lay person, lead that church. It's happening. In June of this year, John Hall stood behind the podium at annual conference and called the names of those persons who had finished the work to become certified lay ministers. He called their names and handed them off to the bishop after all that work he had done to get them there. All the classes, all the papers, all the projects, they had completed it. And John gave them to the bishop and the bishop in the cabinet will now appoint them to churches. Thank you, John, for all that you've done there and all that you're going to do. Another Abraham. Scripture says that uh, Abraham drew his knife to take his son's life. Can you imagine the thoughts that went through his head and the thoughts that went through Isaac's head laying there on an altar? And as God does so often, he intervenes at just the right time. Don't touch him in any way. Can you imagine the relief of Abraham and Isaac? He put the knife down. And what happens next is the best part when God says, I trust you. You're a faithful man. You're a good man. You did what I told you. You are a winner, Abraham. Isaac, you will be the father of many. How many? As many as there are stars in the sky or sands on the seashore. That's a lot. That's a lot. I'm the seventh son of an only son, and there was four others. That's a big family around the table, but the family of God is going to be bigger. Sands of the seashore, stars of the sky, that's a big family. And we go on and on and on. It will never end. God is faithful to his word. Today I give thanks for Aldersgate for the leadership here and for all of you, for the North Carolina Conference, for the United Methodist Church, for our Council of Bishops who are struggling so hard right now with decisions, the Commission on the Way Forward, our Cabinet, our District Superintendents, and all these wonderful pastors in our church. I give thanks for all of that and for all that will come along the way. Thanks be to God for you and all that you do here at Aldersgate.